was a surprise. It came very, very quick. They're all excited and nervous at the same time because uh, this was something we thought was going to drag out to the point where our businesses were going to close. So this gives everybody a new sense of hope. So the Supreme Court of Wisconsin told the governor, you can't extend the stay-at-home orders. You can't keep the, the state shut down. You don't get to make that decision. Right. So finally, some courts are weighing in on these things. At the Wisconsin Supreme Court, instead of robes, they all wear Aaron Rodgers jerseys. Correct. Big Packers And those fans. big hats with the, the wool hats with the fluffy ear things. <laughs> uh, I'm from Wisconsin. The- I can make fun of Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin. Right. The bailiffs, cheeseheads, <laughs> needless to say. Um, and it's it's hilarious that the bars immediately were packed, because the bars opened up upon that announcement last night. Right. And they were immediately packed full of people, including this patron who said, it's been kind of boring sitting in my house. I love my fiancé, but there's only so much we can handle from each other. Yeah, amen to that, brother. <laughs> I heard that. I had such a Wisconsin accent when I moved to uh, further down south in the Midwest to Kansas. I remember when I first got there, everybody talked about, wow, you talk funny. <laughs> and I, I had no idea there was even such thing as a Wisconsin accent yeah. living in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, I'll occasionally talk to old school friends, and this is the Chicago area, and a lot of them have that northern uh, Midwestern accent, and it amuses the heck out of me. I forgot, you know, I forgot how strong it is. It's charming, though, mm-hmm. mostly because the people of that region uh, tend to be really nice, down-to-earth, sure. hardworking people. My mom's... The exceptions being in the university centers of Madison, where they're angry, screeching progressive. Some people lose their accents, and some people don't. Do you know how that works? Or some people no. get an accent, and some people don't. When we worked in Charlotte, North Carolina, I knew people who had lived there their whole lives that had the thick, typical southern accent, and people who would lived there their whole lives who had zero southern accent. Yeah, it kind of depends on your home life, where you learn to speak. But I mean, still, if your mom and dad are being from... in school with your friends and everything right. like that, it would it would even out more than that. Yeah. And then do you, losing it when you move away. I've known people <laughs> that will say they used to live in New Jersey and they have no accent or people used to live in New Jersey. and They still have a thick Jersey accent. Right. My wife, my, my wife. Now, my mom and my wife are different people. Mm, calling Dr. Can Freud. You, uh, Get your work straight, Jack. Can you make an appointment with my therapist? <laughs> yes. Make a Michael, make two. This is going to take at least my two. My mom. Yes. Who gave birth to you. Yes. There's a number of differences between oh boy. the relationship between my mom and my wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Clearly. why I need to see the therapist twice. Yeah. My mom still has a very thick South Dakota accent, even though she hasn't lived there in 40 years. Uh-huh. Still with her. It's so strange you bring that up. I was actually thinking about that walking through the hallways today. I had a brief conversation with somebody, and I will occasionally lapse into a bit of a drawl, which is funny as a guy who grew up in Chicagoland. But then I thought about it. I, I was born in Italy, and for the first two and a half years of my life, I spoke... Mamma mia, you said. That that's, was your first words, if I remember that. That's correct. Um, <laughs> and and my according to my parents, because I don't remember, I spoke Italian as well as any two-and-a-half-year-old Italian kid. Of course you would. Um, And uh, then we lived in New Jersey. And then uh, Michigan. And you said, oh, oh, how about a bottle over here, Ma? (laughs) A lot of forget about it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd be down there at the slide hanging around with my buddies. You want a jukebox? Oh, or a a juice box? Oh, forget about it. Juice boxes. So good. (laughs) Then we lived in the Detroit area. And then I grew up in Chicagoland. Then lived in central Illinois, where everybody sounds like they're from Kentucky. And then Kansas. And then Kansas some more. Then North Carolina, et cetera. So I have no friggin' idea what I ought to sound like. I don't know. Just try to speak the King's English best I can. 
We're talking about homeschooling. Speaking of uh, learning yesterday and asked how it's going, Jack posed the the uh, interesting question, what percentage of uh, learning do you think your kids are doing compared if school was in regular session? And the numbers were quite low. My wife agreed that we think we're at about a third. And uh, a lot of people were in that area roughly, somewhere between 20 and 40 percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is maybe it's the best you can do. I don't know. And we received a number of really interesting responses via the text, uh, which is 415-295-KFTC. We ought to have a groovy, like, five-digit number, but we, we don't because we're incompetent. Um, and the email address is mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, I just want to share with you a handful of the reactions. Um, uh, Jean uh, polled her own kids, and I think neighbor kids. But anyway, uh, my son, high school math teacher, says... I cover a lot less material, have to cut out the depth, have to go back to the basics, um, miss all the one-on-one after lunch and the kids who need help, etc. Um, also, uh, the top of the class kids are still coming and learning. The others are not. Uh, uh, First-year student at San Diego State says, this is a young woman, quality learning goes down, need the face-to-face. Also, it's very easy to cheat on tests. Mm. Uh, You're missing- only cheating yourself. Good one, Jack. Missing friends, etc. 13-year-old uh, young man. Missing friends. Feels he's learning, but not retaining. Oh, that's interesting. That's my, that's my school career. 16-year-old. It's harder to be motivated. No test. Easier to cheat. Uh, misses, you know, sports and the routine. Well, how much of paying attention, if you're not one of the super motivated kids, is, you know, got to get an A or your life's going to be ruined. Mm-hmm. Uh, good for you if you're like that. But I wasn't. Um, if you're... It, how much of paying attention in class was not having the teacher catch you not paying attention? Right. Oh, and yeah. If, if online, you can easily not pay attention. Right, right. Hiding the uh, the Rolling Stone in your textbook. or That was a big magazine. I had, had various music magazines I'd read during <laughs> class if I was bored. <laughs> um uh, another note. This is from John. Uh, I remember. I remember doodling during a class one time, and I drew some odd picture of a guy with an axe in his head. It was like a cartoon. Oh boy, <laughs> it's a good thing that was back in the day and not now. Well, and I had some funny quote coming out of his mouth. You know, yeah. some sarcasm, right? And I remember, one axe or something. And I remember yeah. my English teacher was walking around, and I I must not have noticed him walking around. And he looked down, he saw my paper, and he picked it up and he held it up. Because I'd drawn this big picture of the guy with his head, cartoon character with an axe in his head, and some, yes. I don't remember what it was. Yes. You know, Al hurt that, that hurt or whatever it was. Has sure. anyone seen my axe? <laughs> so many punchlines. <laughs> and the teacher just held it up, and I thought, man, I'm in trouble. And he held it up, and he said, Jack is very quiet. This is not Jack. This is Jack. <laughs> he held the paper up for everybody. <laughs> A perceptive man. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. He's got a little black book with his poems in. Sorry, couldn't resist. Pink Floyd reference. Uh, So uh, this gent is the husband of a second grade uh, public school teacher. Uh, Deep into distance learning with Zoom conference calls, online assignments. This must not be one of those woke districts that decided if there's one kid who can't learn, nobody will learn. Um, But... Uh, My observation listening to her is that the parents who've always been supportive of education still are. The kids who are read to as toddlers, played with, helped with homework, did well, are still doing well. It's still only about 65%, she thinks, of attending school for the motivated kids from the good families, the families that try, that value education. 
The kids whose parents were never supportive of education still are not. Um, and they're probably getting about 5% Oof. of attending school. Of course, what were they getting? What do they get when they go every day? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, and it's a very sad thing. And, and I, look, again, I look back on my school when I was younger, and I think about some of those as kids now and then, and I always wonder what happened to them. Yeah. The ones where they clearly had no interest in their... Obviously, was nobody at home that cared. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like, like I can think of a couple of particular... One I knew worked a lot, and I, I think that was just their family situation where... He had to work like everybody had to work, and he worked in high school, worked a lot. And he always slept during class because he worked all the time. Yeah. But and then there were other kids that just, I always just wonder what happened to them. Where where do they ended up? Because mm. uh, uh, yeah, it was so different than my life. My mom knew what my assignments were and when they were due right. and asked me if my paper was done yet. And if you got a C minus, you'd get the I. Yeah, exactly. At the very least. Yeah, there was a culture of learning, which is incredibly important. And again, I'm, I'm kicking the progressive crowd a little bit here, but uh, y'all aren't willing to admit that the good schools and bad schools have to do with the raw material. It has to do with the, the culture of learning at home. And, and you consider any, any idea of let's help grow the culture of learning to be blaming the victim. And instead, you just yell at the teachers that they need to do better and raise the kids and the rest of it. It's just wrong. It's wrong-headed. But anyway, I don't want to get off too far on that tangent. Uh, I, this note I found interesting. Um, first of all, thanks, Derek, for your uh, kind words about the show. Says the cat man was a good addition. I believe that's a, a reference to you, Sean, noted uh, cat owner. Oh, I would like to set the record straight. You know, if only it. we had time. But um, he says, second, I work for a handful of companies in Northern California. We're having problems getting employees back to work because they cannot afford child care. If schools are still closed next fall, what happens to them? Will the state now start paying for child care? Or I would expand on Derek's remarks and say, will there be a massive federal program to either pay those people to stay home or to pay for their child care so they can go back to work as we continue to choke off the economy for an extremely low risk? Or, and since a lot of school districts have this attitude of, until we can get everybody with a a Chromebook, we're not going to teach anyone. Are they going to do the same thing with uh, care for kids for parents who have to go back to work okay we're not teaching anybody until we make got make sure everybody can right right then uh al anonymous writes i attend a local college switch to online learning it has its ups and downs i'm miss not going to class the live lectures the hand-on labs for the bio classes what i'm not sure that i like is the ease of cheating i'm one that wants to learn only cheating yourself joe i i'm the one that (laughs) That only I am the one that wants to learn the material being taught. I'm a tad old for a student. Maybe I'm in the minority. Since going to distance learning, I've totally started slacking. I postponed doing homework or studying because I know yes. the answers I need will be a quick Google search away come exam time. Speaking of exams, about a quarter of the way through a timed 100-minute, 100-question final when the server crashed. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the whole system went down. Um, And he has some other remarks, but... I, I think it's interesting that he is observed in himself. And, you know, honestly, I don't want to speak for but mm, uh, anybody. I won't speak for anybody. I, I happen to know a college student who has experienced a similar thing. Just can't get engaged. It's just, it's a it's such a different experience mm. that, 
I don't know. Like you say, the feeling of responsibility, looking at so- looking someone in the eye, being present, them they can tell whether you're paying attention or not. You can get clarification during office hours. Just there are a dozen, there are fifty maybe factors that contribute to engagement, and a lot of them are are gone. Uh, how far one guy went to uh, meet his girlfriend during these uh, COVID lockdown times? Far, I'm guessing. Um. <laughs> Otherwise, the story wouldn't be worth relating. You're only cheating yourself, Joe. <laughs> okay. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I want to look like we're avoiding this story because it's a Republican, because I don't really care. I hate it when senators do this sort of thing. It looks like Republican Senator Richard Burr, who is the chair of the Intel Committee, by the way, a committee that might be getting a lot of business and a lot of TV time over the next several months if they start more investigations in the Flynn unmasking thing. But anyway, the Senator Richard Burr sold hundreds of thousands of dollars of stocks that he had non-public information about right as the economy was going to crater and the virus hit. Coincidence! Yeah, so it's, it's you know, I assume these people do this all the time. Maybe he crossed some sort of line. I mean, I don't want any of them to do it. I'm just, again, I'm cynical. I am cynical. You say there's a difference between skeptical and cynical? Yes. I'm cynical. I'm the bad one. It's very sad. I just, I, I, I assume most of these people are crooks. And they have the worst intentions. You've given up. Um, but anyway, he was the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee until like an hour ago, and he stepped down. I'm thinking Mitch McConnell went to him and said, look, um, <laughs> seriously, seriously, with this Flynn stuff coming out, all of a sudden the Intel Committee is going to be a big deal. And they might be having the kind of hearings that you know are on all the cable news channels. We need a non-crook <laughs> yeah. in the position. A non-obvious <laughs> crook. Yesterday, the uh, FBI seized his cell, Burr's cell phone and a bunch of other electronic information, and they're going to nail him down on this. Old Dick Burr. Although I'd have thought that Menendez, the Democrat, who's the chair of some committee himself, I'd have thought he was going to lose his job oh, yeah. after flying around that eye doctor and the hotties that he would get into the country. Exactly. And- yep, yep. The eye doctor who is the single largest thief of taxpayer dollars through Medicare in history. That was the best buddy of this senator, and he plied him with gifts and money and whores and the rest of it. Right, and he got to keep his job, so you never know how these are going to turn out. Oh, you know, it's funny. I became aware the other day, somebody said something that somebody's incredibly offended by the the W word that I just used. It's an offensive word, a very strong word, and it's funny. I've never thought of it that way. My wife and I were kidding around last night, um, and I, I called her a slut. Wow. And my daughter recoiled. Wow. Well, no, I didn't. We were just, it was a joke. Wow, and I need we were, context. We were joking with each other. Well, she'd been having sex with a bunch of our neighbors. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what you are, you said. <laughs> no, we were joking. It you're a slut. It, was, it had to do with uh, how when we're petting another dog. Oh, um, gotcha. And we come home and Baxter is sniffing like, what have you been up to? Um, so I used that word. And, and Delaney said, oh, my God, Dad, you didn't just say that. I said, well, yeah, obviously we're, we're messing around. I mean, she's, she's, she says, yeah. And as I have to point out to her occasionally, look, that's, that's my best friend. We kid each other all the time. And, um, and she said, yeah, but slut dad. I mean, call her a hoe or, or whatever, but that's not the S word. And I, that's she explained that among her circle of friends, you, you don't drop an S bomb. 
Really? Yeah. Call your friend a hoe or whatever. You wonder, can joke all the time. I wonder what that changed because I, don't know. I know years ago, like young women, that was kind of like a funny thing to call each other. But I did, think did that go if away? You, use, you, you only use that one seriously. Huh. In it, her college I, age I know culture. it wasn't that way 10 years ago, but a lot right. of things have changed a sure. lot in the last 10 years. And it might have to do, do something to do with the Me Too thing and shaming and all that sort of stuff. I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought that was curious. Because even joking, it implies that that's a bad thing. And men have been able to do it forever right. and not be called a bad thing at all. Right. So I can see how that has changed in 10 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The vernacular changes a lot every few years. Mm-hmm. Having raised three kids to adulthood. Yeah, trust me. Well, I'll take note of the fact that that is no longer a word to even joke about. Uh, the well, S word. I don't know. It depends who you're talking to, I suppose. Read the room. Yeah. As always. Yeah. yeah read the room. I misread a, the room. I'm in a room full of sluts. <laughs> it's my room. You read it. That's what I say. <laughs> I don't know how that would happen. That was that was I got the, some ideas. Uh, that was the punk band, all woman punk band I managed in the uh, late nineties. I'm pretty sure that even the existence of that idea is seen as not really cool. That there could be such a thing. Uh, um, I by some people, yeah, yeah. Uh, sexual promiscuity has a number of uh, drawbacks, and I'm uh, you know, I I will not apologize for saying. Okay, that. boomer. I'm not a boomer. That's another thing D-Lady says to me all the time. And I have to, I'm not a boomer! (laughs) Uh, The Flynn story. You need to know about this. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was aware that there was that they asked for an investigation, but that's all I know about it, and I don't think anything else. And he said he didn't know anything about it, and now it just gets released right after he said that. It gets released that he was one of the unmaskers, meaning he knew everything about it. This was all Obama. This was all Biden. These people were corrupt. They have now found that Vice President Biden is guilty of using government to go after a political opponent. And by the way, I got hairy legs. This story, that last clip does not fit with the other three. The the, the the story is getting more interesting. Whether or not the regular media, I don't even know what that means, corporate media, uh, mainstream media, media most people see, I don't know. Um, I'll catch hold of this story or not, I don't know. But uh, Jonathan Turley has written a, an opinion piece in The Hill today. Law professor George Washington University is not a Trump flack by any means, as he pointed out when he testified during impeachment. He voted for Hillary Clinton. Um, so keep that in mind. So he wanted Hillary to be president. The declassification yes, of material. That's why he voted for her. Yes. The declassification of material from the Michael Flynn case has exposed more chilling details of a concerted effort by prosecutors to come up with any crime to use against the former national security advisor. This week, however, a letter revealed a new unsettling detail. Among more than three dozen Obama administration officials asking to unmask Flynn from the investigation was former Vice President Joe Biden. That's what that clip we just played was uh, referring to. This revelation came less than 24 hours after Biden denied any involvement in the investigation of Flynn. It also follows a disclosure that President Obama was following that investigation. For three years, many in the media 
have expressed horror at the idea of the Trump campaign colluding with Russia to influence the 2016 presidential election. We now know there never was credible evidence of such collusion. In recently released transcripts, a long list of Obama administration officials admitted they never saw any evidence of such collusion. None. That included the testimony of Evelyn Farkas, a former Obama national security advisor who was widely quoted in her public plea for Congress to gather the evidence that she learned as part of the Obama administration. The media widely covered her alarm that this evidence would be lost if, quote, they found out how we knew that they knew about their staff, the Trump staff dealing with the Russians, unquote. Yet in her previously classified testimony under oath, she repeatedly said, I don't know anything. She's now running for Congress in New York and highlighting her role, raising the alarm over the Russian collusion, which means you can still get away with it. As much of the media blindly pushed the Russian collusion story, a truly alarming story has unfolded in plain view. The use of national security power to investigate an opposing political party and opponents. There's little question that the response by the media to such a story would have been overwhelming if George Bush and his administration had targeted Obama campaign figures with secret surveillance. Yet none of that matters. The media is now fully invested in the original false allegations of collusion. If Obama administration officials were to be questioned now, the coverage and judgment of the media might be placed into question. Even this latest disclosure of the unmasking request of Biden will not alter the official media narrative. Wow. Uh, and I want to read yeah. the final paragraph because well it's said. so good. That's the first person of uh, that kind of heft I've heard say, the media can't get into this now because they would have to admit all those articles. And in the case of the Washington Post, and New York Times, and NBC, it would be hundreds of articles and hundred thousands of hours of coverage. You'd have to say, yeah, and then we... All the people on there knew that it, there was nothing there, and we had them on. And Those who participate in the framing of someone rarely lead the charge to talk about how it was a frame job. Uh, good point. I want to read this final paragraph, blah, blah, blah. There was a time when all of this did matter. That is, finding out that one uh, politician was targeting an opponent. There was a time when all of this did matter, though. Indeed, there was a time when this would be viewed as the story of the century, including the unmasking of Biden himself in this investigation. But this is not those times. This cannot be a story, you see. Russian collusion was a story, and as Biden stressed, the rest is just a diversion. The public, however, will have to decide who is ultimately unmasked by the Flynn investigation. Mm. Wow. Jonathan Turley saying this would be the story of the century. Yep. Just goes to show you, you cannot get people interested in injustice unless it's against their side. In spite of all their their shouting and muling about how important justice is to them, I mean, social justice warriors. We give these people, the intelligence services, the uh, law enforcement services, they get to kill people. They They get to violate every norm of society if... They are within their responsibilities and, and the law. They get to put you in a cage for the rest of your life. But then, if we give them that power, by God, they must follow the rules to protect us from abuse and overreach. And they uh, overreach and abuse egregiously in this situation. Nobody could even be bothered to pay attention. So remember that's the, against, you know, the Trump's guys. So the title of that was The Unmasking of Joe Biden. The only hope for this story having legs is that Joe Biden is running for president. If there, if if you didn't have a participant, legs. if you didn't have a participant in the presidential election that was involved in this story, it would just go away. I think. Yes. 
Um, it would still be it big makes a difference in in you know uh, on Fox and uh, you know right leaning media, but it just wouldn't catch hold. The fact that Biden's involved could end up. You know, Stephanopoulos asked him about it, and he either lied or was confused. Mm-hmm. One of the two in his right. answer to George Stephanopoulos, the Hill printing Jonathan Turley's story, Jonathan Turley writing about it the way he did. I don't know. Does it does it catch fire and actually get somewhere? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's a it's a promising uh, young story, but I'm not going to guarantee its success. Speaking of Jonathan Turley, he's also been tweeting this morning about uh, more specifically this bizarre turn in the Michael Flynn case. Maybe you, you followed it where the uh, Department of Justice said uh, we're we're dropping the prosecution of Flynn because uh, the investigation wasn't justified. Uh, it was something like entrapment. <clears throat> it holds no significance to the investigation, blah, blah, blah. Well, the judge and even the New York Times said this was extraordinary and unprecedented. The judge has now appointed a retired judge to look into, quote, whether the court should issue an order to show cause why Mr. Flynn should not be held in criminal contempt for perjury. And I explained this a little earlier in the show, but I'll go with Jonathan Turley's explanation, partly because he is a constitutional law expert. He says, thus the court is not only considering denying an uncontested motion for dismissal, but they're considering a new charge based on Flynn's effort to withdraw his plea. The judge has been talking about charging him with perjury for initially pleading guilty, pleading guilty. Consider the implications for many cases where defendants seek to withdraw pleas due to prosecutorial abuse. It would create a threat of a judicial charge even when prosecutors agree with the defendants. Judge Sullivan was previously criticized for suggesting that Finn, Flynn, I'm sorry, Flynn could be charged with treason. He's now allowing third parties to make arguments in a criminal case on an unopposed motion. In addition, he is exploring a charge that he might be able to bring against Flynn. These extraordinary moves by the court are increasingly discomforting. There is a this is a single charge where significant jail time was near, neither warranted nor expected. The court's effort to import arguments and explore new charges could be raised on appeal given the prior record. There comes a point where the court appears too invested in the punishment of a defendant and too active in creating alternatives to dismissal. As a criminal defense attorney, I find these moves unnerving, particularly when prosecutorial abuse has been raised by the DOJ and others. This judge is going wild. So, I can understand the strategy if I'm uh, if I'm a Democrat of making it about Flynn. Look, Flynn lied to FBI agents. You don't get to do that. You go to jail. He lied to his own vice president and got fired. Blah blah blah. And you make it about that, and, he, and and then try to end the story there. I don't care about any of that. I don't. I don't care about General Flynn. He means nothing to me. If he goes to jail, if he did something crooked, send him to jail. The the but do they get to investigate the way they did? Right. Right or not, it's a question of process and 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 constitutional rights and limitations on power. It's not a question of Flynn. It's funny. One of your right wingy publications published a, a glowing piece about how Flynn is just he's he's a, a hero and an angel and blameless and flawless and 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 you ought to name all your children Flynn. I was reading this thinking, oh, for God's sake, that's for the uh, the, the world is completely black and purely white crowd. Flynn's an odd character. There's something wrong with him. He's, you know, he's also served the uh, the nation admirably and is a great general and well respected and the rest of it. But he's just he's an odd duck, and people who know him say that. Um, but that doesn't mean he wasn't railroaded and framed. 
or that Joe Biden and Barack Obama uh, were working with the FBI director away from the attorney general in a way that they're not supposed to. I mean, all that stuff can be true no matter what Flynn did. Right. Exactly. Um, The, The LAPD probably framed O.J., who killed those people. Both can be true. So I don't know who Max Tani is. Is that Although at the point that I'm sorry, at the point that James Comey is 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 thinking about, oh well, Brennan came up with this idea, I guess, uh, uh, charging uh, Flynn with the Logan Act. At the point you're bringing the Logan Act in, you are really stretching. I mean, OJ didn't violate the Logan Act, so that was probably a, a poor metaphor. He sliced two people's heads off. Comey briefed both Obama and Trump on the Steele dossier for completely different reasons, but right. Um, I mean, what is that? What is that? Comey did not brief Trump on the investigation into Carter Page. Correct. Uh, but do I? Am I supposed to know the name Max Tani? I don't know that person on Twitter. It's a blue check mark person. But anyway, mm. how do you spell the last name? T A N I. Uh, but Ben Shapiro responds to it. So I'll read Max Tani's uh, uh tweet because this re- gets to the media coverage of this. I, for one, think it's totally fine that the most viewed cable news network in America. And they're not talking about Fox. Are they trying to claim CNN or MSNBC is the most? Foxes. Everybody knows that, but I don't know what numbers are using. But anyway, I, for one, think it's totally fine that the most viewed cable news network in America has made the editorial decision that the global pandemic that has left 85,000 Americans dead and millions out of work uh, is more important than a story about a three-year-old phone call. Is not as important. Is not as important as a story about a three-year-old phone call leaked to the Washington Post. Ben Shapiro responded, I, for one, think it's totally fine that the rest of the media spent three years covering a complete non-story with salivating gusto and now are very angry that anyone would cover the complete collapse of that story. Yeah, well well retorted. Yeah. Uh, And then big picture of this whole thing, how disturbing it is that we've got just like two different news sources for America, mm-hmm. and you choose one or the other, and you're completely oblivious of the other one in most cases. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind people disagreeing or hating a particular point of view, but when you're completely oblivious to that point of view, that leads you down bad roads. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to turn out. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. management this year, uh, Chief Bork, and reflect that in terms of numbers. I think someone was very pleased to hear that uh, with numbers comparing and contrasting the previous years. Um, as it relates... That's a truck uh, horn. As it relates to that, why don't I just, with the noise, ask Chief Bork to come out and talk about <laughs> All right, it's worth watching the video. For a so, couple of reasons. Uh, so where did that happen? Uh, Hang on. How long did it go on? Covered earlier. Uh, Another like five seconds here? This year are... So uh, Gavin Newsom is the uh, governor of Cal Unicornia is unleashing his drivel and half-truths. And some truck driver who's had enough lays on his horn. All right? And uh, the funny part is Gavin does kind of a weird turn, twist, dance, figure out what's going on. 
Um, and then, oddly, because it's too loud and he can't be heard, he invites the other speaker to come up and waste his time, which is really an odd thing to do. But the video's posted at armstrongandgetty.com. It's worth a click. It's pretty funny. Some Somebody suggestion suggested the term the Great Suppression for the name of what we're going through. Hey, is, that's strong. That is really good. I'm yeah, sorry. well well crafted, my friend. The Great Suppression. I might uh, start using that myself. Yeah, yeah. Somebody make a note of that, all right? Or I'll forget. I forget everything. U.S. credit card holders spent 40% less due to the coronavirus. Good. Fell 40% during March and early April compared to last year. That's got to be... You're not going to a restaurant. You're not putting that on your right. card. Probably. Well, it's it's terrible for the economy, but uh, I'm glad to hear you know people aren't accumulating more debt other than everyone's debt, the government debt. Oof, yeah. Oof, indeed. Yeah. Doubled you over there, didn't I? The unpaid attention to right debt. Right to the solar plexus. And of course, the news that came out today that about 3 million more people with jobless claims, bringing the total to about 36 million in eight weeks, completely unprecedented in the history of the world. See how that turns out. Yes, yes, yes. Is there any flaw in the metaphorical comparison between eliminating traffic deaths by lowering the national speed limit to 20 miles per hour? Because that's what we've done. We have brought the national interaction limit down to 20 miles per hour to prevent COVID deaths. And, and and many folks have uh, have pointed out that, listen, caution certainly is warranted. But if you go to extremes of caution, you'll cause more damage well, than, than we, you've prevented. The we, cure is worse than the disease. We don't have no speed limit. Right. We don't just let people drive as fast as and they I'm want. And I'm not proposing I, that. I think the biggest difference, if I get a car in a car accident and break my leg, we know what to do from that point. We still don't really have a, a, an effective treatment or a vaccine to what happens once I get this thing in the car accident theory. There, there is, I think at you're least overthinking it. You're overthinking it because with traffic deaths, these people died. So the plan is to bury them. Um, I'm just saying every public policy issue has the push and pull of caution versus the need for production and that we have in effect instituted a 20 mile per hour traffic uh, speed limit for covid when 45 miles per hour would have been much more appropriate well weigh in on the analogy uh, yeah. on text line or the email you yeah, find mail, it. mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com because we'll see those overnight mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com you have stolen my dreams my childhood with your final thoughts how dare you oh, oh sorry sweetheart fantastic uh, here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. He presses the buttons in the control room, keeps us on the air. Michelangelo, final thought? Yeah, my final thought is I refuse to have a Zoom wedding. Some A&G listeners have been saying, hey, you could just get married online. Nope, I want lots of family, friends, people drunk and dancing. I just saw that up on the screen. Somebody talked about they're going to their first Zoom wedding, so I guess that is a thing. Drunk, yes. Dancing, no. Thanks for the invitation. Positive Sean, a final thought. Joe Buck mentioned in an interview that uh, should the NFL season go ahead as scheduled, uh, almost certainly without fans in the stands, Fox will be piping in fan noise and inserting digital fans into the stadium. Boy, I don't need the visual, Hmm. but the sound thing I can get. How am I going to do that? Are they going to... 
Like somebody going to hit the cheer button if there's a good play or yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I think who's ever going to be at the control is going to have to be really good at their job and be realistic with how the crowd would react. Well, we watch sitcoms with laugh tracks for 50 years. It's going to be the same sort of thing sure. with sports. Some of them, one uh, in particular of my favorite uh, music artists uh, did a fake live album once, and it's really convincing. Mm. Yeah, Graham Parsons. Uh, Jack, your final thought? Um, it's interesting to see what people do when they lift the orders. So in Wisconsin, they lifted the orders that this, the, 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 the court did. And then all of a sudden, people went to the bars, filled the bars. In New Zealand, they lifted the orders. And all of a sudden, people were lined up around the block to get their hair cut all over the country. My final thought is also sports-related. I've decided, in, in contrast to Joe Buck, uh, yes to sports with no crowds. And you can hear everything that's being said. Oh, I think it'd be awesome. And yelled and coached and the rest. That would be fascinating. But it's got to be either on cable TV or, or you know, warning to viewers. Oh, absolutely. There... God, NBA playoffs where I get to hear the talking? Oh, please. Take a shot every time there's an MF bomb, you die of alcohol poisoning. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up with their grueling four-hour work. Today. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing Oh, 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 new cases. Oh, shut the economy back down. Armstrong and Getty.